We often think of God as out there, up there, watching over us, all around us, in nature, something bigger than ourselves, bigger than all of us. But what if God was right here, right in my body, and nothing more? The, 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 Quaker Podcast. Story, spirit, sound. I'm Georgia Sparling. I'm John Watts. And today we have a new vocal ministry episode, this time with Craig Freshly, who's an author and a public speaker. For those of you who are just tuning in, we are doing this experiment about once a month where we take you inside of a Quaker meeting house to hear a piece of what Quakers call vocal ministry. Sometimes these are totally spontaneous and sometimes they are more prepared. And Craig's name has come up a few times as someone who has thoughtful messages. Right. So Durham Friends Meeting in Maine, where Craig is a member, does things a little bit differently than the other meetings we've featured so far. Right, Georgia? Right. They're semi-programmed, like New Garden Friends Meeting in Greensboro, North Carolina. (laughs) Right. That's where Ashley Wilcox is interim pastor. And we had Ashley on the podcast last month. She gave a message about wisdom in Proverbs. And the Durham meeting is a little different from how they do it in Greensboro. They don't currently have a pastor and haven't had for a few years. So members basically sign up to give vocal ministry. Yeah, I, I love that setup. You know, some, some Quakers like to say that we didn't abolish the ministry, we abolished the laity. So this setup is like pastoral Quakerism in practice based on that concept. You know, anyone can be the minister on a Sunday morning. And, and this is definitely one interesting thing about Quakers. We're all kind of doing this experiment and each meeting has a different way of going about it. Yeah, well, it definitely keeps me on my toes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's really cool to see how each meeting figures out a structure that speaks to their community. And Craig has some very interesting things to say in his message. But first, I'll let him introduce himself, talk a little bit more about his meeting, how he came to Quakerism, and how he prepares to give vocal ministry. Awesome. Let's hear it. Well, thanks so much for talking with me today, Craig. Would you introduce yourself to our audience? Uh, My name is Craig Freshly, and I'm a member of Durham Friends Meeting in Durham, Maine. Uh, It's quite an old, established New England meeting. Uh, We call it semi-programmed, whereby we do have a bit of a structure. We have uh, typically a hymn uh, near the beginning, a hymn at the end, and, uh, and, and somebody is typically designated to give a message. But it doesn't always go that way, and it's fine if it doesn't. Sometimes people will call for hymns. Some, sometimes somebody will sing. And for me, that's, that's one of the reasons I go, is just to, to, to see what, what will be revealed at, at any given meeting. Yeah, so tell me a little bit about how you became a Quaker. I happened to to live uh, around the corner from the from the meeting house, and uh, it's it's due due to my proximity that I that I started to become interested in the meeting. But 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 not that alone. I'm I'm also a, a professional meeting facilitator. I'm very interested in consensus decision making and and uh, and and the, the Quaker. Uh, 
process for for business meetings. Uh, there, there are a number of things that drew me to it. So what is it like when you stand up to give a message? Like, how does that feel internally? I do a lot of public speaking, but I am rarely as nervous on the job as I am in Quaker meeting. But you know what? I think that's part of the deal. And I think that's one of the ways that I know that I'm supposed to speak. I often have a little conflict with myself. Uh, you know, should I, should I speak up or not? My heart is racing. Um, and, and, and sometimes I, you know, I, 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 I calm myself and I, and I, and I question, you know, uh, does this need to be said? Does it need to be said by me? Does it need to be said now? Um, these are the questions that I'm asking the light within, uh, before I speak up. And sometimes it is gut-wrenching to uh, even just making the decision whether to speak or not. But more often than not, if my heart is racing, I, I take that as a sign that I should probably step through the fear and speak up. So what does your process look like when you're preparing a message? Some, sometimes, sometimes it's very clear to me right away. The moment I get the idea, I'm like, okay, this is, this is something that I'm, I'm going to uh, prepare a message on. Other times, uh, I get an idea and I say, hmm, that could be something that I might give a message about. I'm going to think about that a little bit. Um, and if it keeps coming back to me, you know, if I, if I even try to set it aside, and it still comes back to me, then that's probably something that maybe I should turn into a message. And once I've decided to make a message out of a particular topic, uh, I start making notes. I start with what are the leading concepts that I feel compelled to share, and I just start writing them down. I find myself practicing stories. Stories are critical to to making a, a, a message that's compelling and fun to listen to. And I tend to be a bit of a last-minute person. Now, here I've said all the steps that I do in preparation, but I'm apt to not actually put the concepts and the stories in order until a day or two before. But I always reserve the right to change the plan. And I know that actually as a Quaker, that's what I'm supposed to do. I am supposed to be open to a new, a new message. Yeah, yeah. So we're talking on a Monday and you're scheduled to give a message on Sunday. Do you already know what you're going to talk about? I do. Uh, however, I've also got two backup ideas. <laughs> the main idea uh, has a title, What If God Was the Rest of My Body? And the idea is to explore ways in which all the characteristics, all the attributes, all the miracles of God are right on board. Uh, my messages are rarely uh, prescriptions. In fact, they never are prescriptions. Um, it's, a, it's a question. What if God was the rest of my body? 
After the break, Craig shares his message. Hi, it's John here. Everyone has a different experience in waiting worship. For me, it's a time when ideas come to me, sometimes fully formed. When I was a songwriter, I would be sitting in the silence and have to run out of the room to grab a notebook and write down lyrics or song titles. Later, as a video producer, I would get ideas for videos that might go viral on YouTube. These days, when I sit in silence with other Quakers, project ideas come to me. Big things that I could never accomplish on my own. In 2020, I was sitting in worship and I was given the idea for a Quaker podcast. And not just any podcast, one that attempted to feature authentic Quaker ministries. I wrote it down in my notebook, but the logistics seemed overwhelming. I brought it to my meeting and we had a clearness committee. And now, three years later, I'm so excited to be speaking to you from that very podcast. A podcast that wouldn't be possible without the support and grounded vision of literally hundreds of friends. And we're featuring vocal ministry. I want you to just imagine the potential, years from now, of this repository of faithful Quaker messages from all over the world that we're building one episode at a time. And that's just one of the dreams that we are working on realizing here at The Quaker Project. But in order to do it, we need your help. I'd like to ask you to please consider joining those hundreds of friends who want to see this vision become a reality. Go to thequaker.org, that's T-H-E-E, quaker.org, and sign up to give 5 10 or even $20 a month toward making this ministry sustainable and supporting our work in giving Quakers a platform on 21st century media. Okay, back to Craig Freshly and his message at Durham Meeting. Welcome back. Just a note before Craig starts, I want to let you know that he did give us permission to trim his message for time, which we've done, and we will put a link in the show notes so that you can listen to the full message. Okay, here's Craig. Oh, my heart is pounding, as, as it always is. I'm recording this message this morning for The Quaker. The title of the message this morning is What if God is the rest of your body? I'm going to explore this question with you. I don't know the answer to this question. For me, I don't know the answer. I certainly don't know the answer for you. But let's just think about it. What if God is the rest of your body? We often think of God as out there, up there, watching over us, all around us, in nature, something bigger than ourselves, bigger than all of us. But what if God was right here, right in my body, and nothing more? What if God is my body, and that's all there is to it? We often think of God as one who performs miracles. Well, I don't know of any greater mysteries and miracles than the stuff that's happening right here, right now, inside me. 
While my head is thinking about other stuff, focusing on these words, for instance, my body is expanding and contracting my lungs, taking oxygen from the air, putting it in my blood, nourishing my muscles, exhaling carbon dioxide to nourish other living beings like trees. It's pretty miraculous. My body is digesting food right now, converting matter into energy for my use. My body is keeping me upright. I'm not thinking about balance at all right now, yet here I am, standing before you, not a pile of flesh and bones on the floor. And I'm hearing, and smelling, and touching, and tasting, and absorbing, and processing enormous amount of data, right, right here. We often think of God as our protector. It is God who keeps us safe from harm and can be counted upon to watch over us. The Lord is my shepherd. Do you have any idea about the thousands of ways that my body is protecting me right now? Everything that enters my body, be it air, liquid, or solid, is instantly analyzed, instantly. And if there's anything bad trying to get in, my body reacts faster than I can even think about it. I sneeze, I cough, I throw up. My body has a thousand ways to expel and extinguish demons. And my skin, it allows me to feel the warm sunshine, but it also keeps out thousands of parasites, bacteria, spores, all manner of other living things that would love to get inside here and wreak havoc. These are miracles that just take over and take care of me in the face of danger. It's like God saying to my brain, stand aside, I got this. We often think of God as the creator. Well, where was my body created? In my mom's body. Talk about a miracle. My brain will never understand how a sperm can touch an egg and set off a chain of events, a chain of miracles that lead to this. When Dana was born, our first child, Carol and I were at home. We planned a home birth. All was going well, yet the contractions were coming fast. And the midwife wasn't there yet. Rather than call an ambulance or pack Carol into the car and dash to the hospital, we decided to stay put. We trusted God. Honestly, I was trusting Carol's body and all the wisdom and all the DNA and all the evolution of all the women before her that know how to do this. I prayed I prayed up to God, you can be sure, somebody, something out there, up there, for help. But honestly, I found myself placing trust in the process, in the things that her body would be able to do, in the miracles that I knew were inside her. We both put absolute faith in that process. Uh, that her body would know what to do. Carol's body performed miracles. Dana was born healthy. The midwife arrived an hour after. 
We often think of God as, as healer. Certainly we think of Jesus that way, as a healer. All spiritual leaders who, who have God-given abilities have healing powers. My body heals me over and over again. Talk about forgiving. Big mishaps like broken bones to small things like mosquito bites. My body is always at the ready and willing to jump in and take care of me and actually heal me in ways that I'm not even aware of. We often think of God as beauty. When I look at myself, at my own body, do I see beauty? Perhaps I should, no matter what I look like. God is joy. My body brings me so much joy. It enables me to climb a mountain, to swim a lake, to ride a bike, to sing a song, to play guitar. My body can dance. There's lots of ways that our body brings joy. If God is your body, God brings joy for sure, but then God also brings pain, right? and eventually death. We might think of pain as God hurting us. Many of us do think that way. Sometimes I think this way. This hurts so much, God. Why are you doing this to me? Or more often, God, why are you causing fires and floods that hurt or kill so many people? This comes from a premise, I think, that God is supposed to be only good only bring good stuff and do only good things. And then there's this other guy, the devil, who does bad things. And there's heaven and hell, and you can actually earn heaven by doing good things and find yourself in hell by doing bad things. And But again, I'm questioning, I'm exploring this with you, and I'm wondering, maybe this is just a mind-made premise made up by religious leaders, mostly men, actually the types of religious leaders that many Quakers have rebelled against. Rather than think of God is good, devil is bad, heaven, hell, rather than think of pain as God intentionally hurting me, or what if I just think of it as God sending me a message? If God is your body, God talks to you through feelings. And thank God I hurt when I touch the hot stove. Surely that's God protecting me from harm, causing me to recoil and not get more damaged. Yet, I know, it's not fair for me to say to the person in chronic pain, well, that's just God sending you a message. With so much pain, chronic pain, we don't know what the message is. We pray endlessly, God, what am I supposed to do to make this pain go away? And our prayers seem to go unanswered. Might it be okay for God to have limits? Might it be okay to adopt the idea that God actually can't fix all problems, provide everything we want? I was in a 
12-step meeting one time, and someone lamented, okay, God, thank you for taking away my compulsion to drink, but can you just let me have one drink once in a while? We sometimes think of God as having no limits. Is it actually helpful for me to think God can do anything and then get angry at him when he doesn't? Here's a thought. When I die, is God letting me down? Maybe that's a, actually a healthy, peaceful way to think of things. No doubt, as I uh, get older and older and closer to death, things start to shut down. I'm wearing hearing aids. I'm wearing glasses. My hearing and my eyes are getting worse. And there's other stuff. I got aches and pains. My knee hurts right now because I went to a concert last night and did some dancing. But I can't do the stuff that I, I, I used to do. I have a choice about how I look at things. I can get angry at God and think that he or she is letting me down, or I can accept that my body is following the natural order of things and, and just go with it. God's works, although miraculous, are not actually limitless. I don't know if that's the right way to think about it or not. I'm not trying to impose this on you, but I'm questioning this. The body has pretty simple needs. Food, water, air, sleep. Yet the mind is always pushing for more. I have often said, the problem with humans is that our brains are too big. We have so many ideas about how to do better than nature, how to manage nature to suit our own needs, how to destroy nature in a hundred million thousand ways. Our minds convince us that we are superior not only to nature and other species, but also to other human beings. And so often, conquering and impressing and empire building is done in the name of God. A mind-made idea that God justifies imposing our will on others. If my body is God, does that mean that my mind is the devil? Hmm. Well, I'm just reminding us that the mind can be pretty evil sometimes. My mind often tries to play God. And oftentimes, I'm not good to my body. Many of you who know me know that I used to be an active alcoholic. Today I'm a recovering alcoholic. I used to smoke weed. I don't today. But I know a lot about addiction, and addictions are weird. It's where the mind knowingly does things that hurt the body. When I am driven by my addiction, any addiction, God takes a back seat. The health of my body becomes a secondary concern. My mind pretends that it knows what my body needs and takes over. My mind tries to play God. In recovery, 
I've learned to get my mind out of the driver's seat, sit my butt in the passenger seat, and let God drive. I am more peaceful and I am less harmful to others when I don't try to control everything. When I calm the mind. I'm wrapping up, folks, but I, <clears throat> I've got to say some disclaimers. Not every birth goes as smoothly as Dana's. It's not fair for me to say, well, if you're in pain, that's just God sending you a message or that's just God letting you down. Accept it. That doesn't feel right to say that. I'm not saying that there is not a God other than the light within. I'm just bringing a question. I'm asking you to consider more deeply these simple notions that my body is amazing and performing endless miracles on my behalf. When I listen to my body, I'm listening to God. When I'm good to my body, I'm honoring God. What if God is the rest of your body? For these vocal ministry episodes, we like to follow up with our guests and hear how their talk went, what kind of feedback they got, and how they felt giving that message. I was on the road conducting lots of interviews for future podcast episodes, so John spoke with Craig to find out how the message went. Here's their conversation. So I'm I'm really interested in this in this message that you brought. Right after I graduated from college, I got to go and be a resident student at Pendle Hill. Mm-hmm. the uh the retreat center here outside of philadelphia and um and i was was really blessed there to have these these very grounded wise elders and something that i noticed was that every time i gave ministry one of these elders would come up to me and ask me a question what, you know was the faithful in mm-hmm. in bringing this message um, and so I want to ask you, Craig, the, the same, uh, the same question was, was the faithful that Sunday morning? Yeah. Thanks for asking that. I think so. I, th- I think so. I do think that it w- was a message born of the spirit. I was, I was nervous about it. Um, because I know that there are some things that I said that, some might take offense with, uh, but I decided that I should I should uh, give. So uh, I feel like I was faithful in delivering the message, but I have not been faithful, and I'm not faithful in executing the message. I'm not as good to my body as I would like to be. I'm not as thankful for the miracles within as I, I should be. I'm not a- as good at practicing the words as I am at saying the words. And faithfulness is <laughs> not just about saying words. It's about doing practices. So I, I, I just have to name that. Amen. Thank you for bringing that to light. So how was the reception to the message? Well, there was a weighty friend who 
said afterwards, I have some responses to your message. And I was very encouraging of her. She uh, called me out on referring to God as a he. I think of myself as somebody who's very sensitive to uh, gender neutrality, etc. But I also believe that each person is allowed to think of God however they want. And in the instance where I, I used that pronoun, I was just very instinctively expressing how I think of God. And especially if God is the rest of your body, my God is going to be a he. I was curious and even a little disappointed to be called out on that. Now, I have continued to think about these things that she said because I so value her her opinion. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. You know, it's uh, it's a very common, I think, Quaker experience to try and discern how to respond to these comments and how to engage in dialogue around them. It is. It's very helpful for me to hear that that's how somebody might respond. I will say that I received half a dozen other genuinely grateful comments and, and, and people saying, you know, wow, Craig, I really connected with what you said. But I guess, unfortunately, I did not have any meaningful interaction, dialogue, or, or, or questions presented to me about the substance of the, of the message. Uh, well, I've got one. <laughs> oh, please. <laughs> um, it's actually, this is from Georgia. Um, she asked me to, to ask you a, a bit about how, how you view God in, in light of your message. She said that when she listened, she felt a little confused by the notion of it and was wondering if, if you consider God to be contained, let's see, she said contained totally and exclusively in your person and, and she guesses each human, or was that hyperbole or was she missing something? The first answer is, I don't know. I don't have it all worked out. And I brought this genuinely as a, as a question. But, however, I am going to say that I do think it is possible that God is contained in my person and in the, in the, in the being of every, of all living things. Um, that there, there, there is no other God up, up in heaven or, you know, looking at us from a distant star, or uh, I think it's entirely possible that there is no God other than that which is contained inside each of us virtually every way that we traditionally think of God applies to the stuff that's happening right inside my body. I, I probably need to think about that some more, but essentially that's, that's the premise. Then you combine that with the fact that I'm looking out my window at a tree, 
And that tree is doing miraculous things inside the, the tree. And the same with every other person I meet, every insect, every living thing. Craig, thanks so much for sharing your message with us. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening, and thank you to Craig for sharing his message. As I said before, we did trim it down for time, but you can listen to the whole thing via a link on our website, quakerpodcast.com. While you're there, you'll also find a transcript of this episode, discussion questions, and a place to leave comments. And speaking of comments, here's one we received on last week's episode page. That episode was called Farming the Wild East, and Joe Harmon shared, This is your loveliest and most spiritual episode yet. Whilst our family has chosen to be vegetarian, I felt such love and respect for both the animal and the farmer. The engagement of the farm with the food service was guided by a higher power. Thank you for the episode. And thank you, Joe, for sharing that. Please head over to our website to share your thoughts on Craig's message today. This episode was produced by me, Georgia Sparling, and also, of course, John Watts. John also composed the music for this episode. The Quaker Podcast is part of the Quaker Project, a Quaker media organization with a focus on lifting up voices of spiritual courage and giving Quakers a platform in 21st century media. If you want to support our work, we'd love that. Please consider becoming a monthly supporter. You can learn more about how to join our giving team at thequaker.org. That's T-H-E-E quaker.org. Every contribution expands our capacity to tell Quaker stories in a fresh way. All right, we'll be back next week with a brand new episode.